welcome to Extrapolator. This is Jeff Allen. Today is a special bonus episode, Behind the Scenes. I talk about the podcasting process with my good friend, Philip. Honestly, this, this process was a total mystery to me until about two years ago when I had to start learning. And along the way, there were so many surprising steps from branding, the music, the artwork, preparing content, recording the audio, the equipment you need, editing, and then distributing, promoting the finished episode. So I thought it would be fun to devote a whole episode to talking about this podcasting process. If you want to start a podcast yourself, this is a great place to learn about all the steps. But if you just like listening to podcasts, I hope you'll also enjoy hearing about all the magic that happens behind the scenes. I've made a PDF to go along with this episode. I'm calling it my cheat sheet for how to create a podcast. It gives a breakdown of all the steps that I talk about in this episode. So if you would like to get your hands on this cheat sheet, you can download it for free on my blog at jeffallenwriting.wordpress.com forward slash cheat sheet. I'll leave a link in the episode description. And now I bring you a special bonus episode with Philip Schmitz-Justin. So do you think um, the slight rustling of my mustache will be recorded? Yeah, I was worried about that too, actually. Actually, I kind of like the idea. I think listeners should at least know you have a mustache. I think think that's important for them to know. Well, Philip, welcome to this episode of Extrapolator. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Uh, Today, we're turning the table slightly, and you're asking the questions. That'll be quite nice, right? Yeah, this is exciting stuff. So uh, I'm Philip. uh, I'm a a casual podcast listener, (laughs) and uh, Jeff has just asked me to be on the show to uh, kind of ask him a couple of questions and uh, help him kind of illuminate uh, all that work that goes into making podcasts like these and uh, helping you, the listener, maybe make your own podcast, understand better um, how they're made and yeah, go on a little journey with us. Yeah, so this came about, I was invited to give a workshop about podcasting a couple of months ago at Utrecht University. And I really enjoyed thinking about the process, thinking about the whole overview of the process of making a podcast. Right. Uh, so I kind of felt like it was going to waste on this small in-person workshop yeah. in this university. I wanted to make it more public. So I thought it'd be fun to yeah, talk about the whole process uh, from start to finish, everything you need to know to go from zero podcast to having episodes out there in the world. So, uh, Jeff, so who actually would care about this? That's a good question. I mean, we should clarify to the listeners, you know, are you in the right place? I think you're in the right place if you want to start a podcast. If you have any kind of ambition or dream to set up your own podcast, you're in the right place. You're going to learn a lot about the whole process from start to finish. Okay branding, you know, the equipment you need, the the process of distributing an episode and promoting on social media. So if you're a creator, you're in the right place. But also if you're just like a, a critic or a fan of podcasts, mm-hmm. this was me for five years before I ever started making podcasts. I was an avid listener. So maybe you just want to know more about how they're made. So if you want to know about behind the scenes of podcast making, you're also in the right place. Perfect. And then, you know, m- maybe you're just a dabbler. Maybe you're very new to podcasts. This might be the first podcast you've ever listened to, which could be kind of cool and meta because you listen to a podcast about how podcasts are made. So you're you're starting with the ultimate uh, knowledge. Uh, and then lastly, you know, if you're just looking to meet people who want to start podcasts, you know, if you want to network with people who 
also like the topics that you like, you're in the right place. Get networking. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. And uh, with that, we can kind of get a big overview, I guess. So if you broke it down into a couple of pieces, what would you say are, are the main steps? Yeah, so I've broken down the process into kind of a simple simple process mm-hmm. and then a more complex process. And I'm going to make a cheat sheet, which will be on my blog, my website. Oh, cool, yeah. So if you'd like to have a look at this cheat sheet, just go to jeffallenwriting.wordpress.com forward slash cheat sheet. So that's G-E-O-F-F-A-L-L-E-N writing dot wordpress.com forward slash cheat sheet. And you can see all of this, you know, in, in a visual form. I've broken down the process first into a four-step process. Let's start kind of simple with the overview. Great idea. If you're going to start a podcast, if you're going to make something, you know, go from no podcast to, you know, having episodes out there in the world on people's smartphones, there are four main steps. Branding. So you got to set up your podcast with a recognizable music artwork format. That's the brand. Mm-hmm. Second, there's the content. You got to think about the topics you're going to talk about. You got to think about the people you're going to interview or the, you know, the, the co-hosts you're going to have. Then the third step is the audio. You're going to need audio equipment. You're going to need to produce audio on a regular basis and then edit and process that audio to make it sound very nice. And then once you have that third step of the audio product finished, you can get to the fourth step of distribution. You got to get it out there into the world using distribution platforms, using social media to promote. So that's the simple overview, branding, content, audio and distribution. And now maybe we'll break it down a bit more and go into more detail about each of these steps. Yeah, that sounds really good. So um, the, the first step was branding, right? Um, mm. how, how do you even start with that? What, what, what's the idea? So the kind of the main components, and we'll go into, into more detail again in a second. We're kind of just we're zooming in more and more. But with branding, you want to think about getting a name and a tagline for your podcast. You want to sum it up very quickly to your listeners. You know, what are you called? What are you about in one sentence? Yeah. You want to think about format. So, you know, how long are your episodes? How many guests? How many hosts? What kind of structure? You want to think about the music. Uh, is there any music? And then what kind of style? How often does it appear? Your artwork. This is the way your podcast appears in apps like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Yeah, what kind of appearance does your podcast have? The artwork can carry you a long way. Yeah, keep it fresh. I think the best way to think about a brand or think about format is to use some examples. So maybe you've heard mm-hmm. of some of these podcasts, they're quite famous ones, but I'll talk about a few in detail. So the first is Making Sense with Sam Harris. This is maybe one of the most famous podcasts in the world. It's been going for several years. And, you know, just think about the format for a second. If you've ever heard an episode of Sam Harris's podcast, it's very long. You know, the episodes are at least an hour, maybe two to four hours for the longer ones. There's no music. There's very little editing. It's hard to tell if it's edited. Could be very small tweaks made if someone has a sentence out of place that could be just taken out of the final version. It's very hard to tell. It just sounds like one continuous free-form conversation. But I will say from behind the scenes, they definitely take toilet breaks. Right. They definitely I mean, do. They have to. Like, how, how are you going to survive that otherwise? Exactly, in four hours. So I, can't, I, I know from recording myself that they must take these water and toilet breaks. That's impressive, I mean. But they managed to sew it all back together to make it sound continuous. So what Sam Harris is going for is... The format he wants is one continuous long-form conversation 
each question and answer can be three or five minutes each. Mm. It's kind of and there's this passing the conch, passing the speaking, the speaking shell. So Sam speaks for five minutes and then he passes the conch to his guest who gets to speak for a few minutes. And it's there's no interjections. It's a it's a long freeform conversation, kind of very reflective and thoughtful. Um, Yeah, so that's what Sam is going for. Cool. Let's compare that to a different podcast, Freakonomics Radio. So you might know Stephen Dubliner's podcast, Freakonomics, following on from the the book that he published with Steve Levitt. So Freakonomics is more like a radio show, very heavily edited. There are quite short segments, so there might be five guests in an episode. And Stephen Dubliner has interviewed these guests individually before the episode. And then, you know, there have been several several stages of editing where he edits out um, sound bites from each of these interviews and he stitches them together. He makes a narrative and he introduces each of the small sound bites and who the people are. There are lots of music cues coming in and out. I mean, it's very, very different from Sam Harris's podcast. Yeah, I mean, it sounds completely different. Yeah. It's like multiple guests, a lot of music, a lot of short sound bites, and there's more of a, a narrative from the host. So Stephen Dubner is telling this narrative and he's using these small sound bites in a way that he wants to construct the story he wants to make, yeah. as opposed to letting the conversation just flow where, where it's going to flow. Right? Mm-hmm. I'll give you one more just to, to finish. My dad wrote a porno. Have Wait, you heard of this one? Your dad wrote a porno? Not, not my father, oh, thankfully. Oh, okay. I was, I was like, okay. <laughs> That's pretty cool, but... Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty bad that this guy's dad did really I mean, yeah. write, write a porno. Teach their own, right? I guess. So the story, if you can believe it, it it's supposedly true. This guy's dad, in his retirement, wrote a porn novella. They're very short. and quite sloppily written, which adds to the comedy. And the format of this podcast is it's three hosts. One of them has read the book in advance because it's his dad that wrote it and he has to kind of prepare his reading. But they sit down around the mic and the other two hosts have not heard the chapter before. They read a chapter, they break it down line by line and it's every line is almost like a punchline because it's so ridiculous. It's kind of a look into this retired man's psychology as to what he thinks a porn novella is like. So, uh, and again, that's, it's a comedy podcast, so there are much more breaks with laughter. And I know they say themselves in the behind the scenes that they usually record for 90 minutes and they edit down the best 40. So they really produce a lot of content yeah. and they choose the funniest segments to put out. So that's another choice you make when you're making a podcast. Are you going to have this, you know, fresh live conversation with a little editing or are you going to really go back in the editing phase and pick out the best bits and really kind of curate a story and curate an episode right. based on what you want the final product to sound like? All right, cool. Okay, so that's a lot about the branding, about the format. Uh, some quick things to mention again, artwork and music. These can be stressed at the start, but you do them only once. Mm-hmm. So once you have your artwork and your music and your podcast launched, you can not worry about it anymore. So it is just a starting out worry you have. For my podcast, Extrapolator, I recorded the music myself. I was Yeah, very cool. I mean, I was always really impressed by that. Even. Oh, thank you, it's very kind to say. But I, I've been making music for a while. It, it's, it doesn't sound professional because it was made on my laptop with Ableton and with a small MIDI keyboard. Now you're being humble now. Oh, but I mean, it, sounds, it sounds like a home studio recording, which is what it was. Uh, and again, this, this is a branding choice that you make. You decide, do you want to go all out and have really professional you know, musicians make you, make you some theme music or you know do you make something yourself do you have a friend or a collaborator who wants to make something for you that's quite cool you know if you can if you can draw on your own skills and your friends skills and your network to kind of yeah collaborate together it can be quite cool 
Yeah, but that like that music is, is super important as well to like tie the whole thing together. I always thought kind of always reminded me of uh, the theme and explained and uh, the Netflix show. So it kind of draws you in there um, at the beginning. So that's funny. Did I mention this to you before? Because that was my inspiration oh, really? for that theme. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, uh, I love it. I kind of well ripped off. I mean. People rip off things all the time, yeah. but I kind of took inspiration from the drum line. Paraphrased. <laughs> paraphrased. <laughs> I paraphrased the, the drum line from the explain theme. Yeah. Because I love when it starts off. And it works. I mean. Yeah, yeah. It starts off quite spacey. And then this really, this fast 16th hat comes in, which really kind of, yeah, it, it hooks you and the, the beat falls into place. So that, that one idea from the explain theme was my starting idea. So funny you noticed that. Yeah, maybe, cool. maybe it's too obvious a reference actually in the end. No, I don't think so. What about a little blurb, for example, that you have to write uh, for, for Spotify and stuff? Is that part of the branding too, you'd say? or Yeah, I'd say that's something you write. Exactly. You think of that at the start of your podcast project. These blurbs, you won't really want to change them. Mm. Maybe you'll update them if, right. your, if your vision changes. But at the start, you want to think about how can you, you can encapsulate your podcast in one sentence for a tagline. And then, as you say, in a blurb in like three to five sentences. So my own blurb is it just mentions some of the topics in my podcast. So it says, Extrapolator is a philosophy science podcast hosted by Jeff Allen. What is philosophy? How do we define what is true or what exists? Is human cognition special? What can empirical science say about religion, free will, and the meaning of life? These topics and more. So you want to have a kind of a short description of what your podcast is. And actually, I've never changed that since, uh, since I started the podcast two years ago. All right. And the last thing I should say is the artwork, because in this case, I used my twin brother for the artwork. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's a graphic designer and he did a, a master's in UX. So he was the perfect person to ask. And he was like, he was quite willing to, to collaborate. So again, my advice is if you have a twin or a friend, or again, if you make something yourself, this is great. It all depends what you're going for. You can, you know, this can be set at any level you want. You can make something in paint and use it yourself, or you can pay some graphic designer on Fiverr or one of these websites to make something ultra sleek and professional. Uh, Yeah, lots of choices. But I recommend using enthusiastic friends and family members who are willing to collaborate because that is a nice, easy route when you're starting out. The cheapest one as well, probably. It's cheap, but you know, don't wanna, don't wanna promote free labor because creatives should get paid for the work. That's true, that is true, that's true. So it's, it's a fine line, but uh, we like to collaborate with each other on these projects, I think. Nice, very nice. Okay, well, so we've been talking about how to how to make it sexy, how to make it uh, interesting. Now, once you get that brand going, you got to get to the real filling, right? Uh, the content. Um, what do you want to say about that? So with content, this kind of happens every episode. So there's this episode creation cycle, and I think it starts with the content of each new episode. Mm-hmm. So whereas the branding is really a once-off thing, it's once per project, you you sort out your music, your artwork, your tagline, blurb, name, and then that's kind of set. You put that aside and that's just going to be there. That's your online presence. With the content, this is really an, a per episode thing. You'll have your your arc of the season. You might have a, you know, a, a pool of potential topics you're going to cover in the whole lifespan of your podcast. So you will have that kind of set from the start. But then when each episode arises, you'll need to generate content. And there's a couple of steps involved here. One is planning the recording sessions themselves. So whether you're recording alone or with guests or with co-hosts, you need to just plan a time for the recording. I mean, yeah. 
speaking at a meta level. Yeah. Philip and I have scheduled this recording. A lot of organization, actually, yeah. This organization, it's it doesn't happen by itself. These are all small steps, but you have to take each of them into account in the larger process. And we pushed this recording session back by a week because the bathroom above me in the apartment <laughs> building was being renovated. And there was a guy with an angle grinder literally outside my window for a week drilling or grinding tiles into square shapes. So it was impossible to record last week. So, you know, you liaise with guests and with co-hosts and then you got to work around, you know, rescheduling sometimes. And then there's prep material. So, I mean, speaking personally, I make a philosophy and science podcast. So I do consume a lot of prep material before each episode. They might be books, papers, podcasts. I mean, obviously I love podcasts, so it's great when I can prepare by listening to someone, someone's podcast. That's a very easy and effortless way for me to prepare. And there's also, you know, discussions. You might be, I have lots of email exchanges with my, my guests before we start. A free form email thread where you bounce ideas backwards yeah. and forwards. We did it ourselves, Philip and I, and I do it with all my, my guests really. And then you might have a, a longer discussion in person or before the recording session to, you know, make sure you're on the same page, set out your roadmap of topics and everything. So this is all the prep material that you consume as you're getting ready to record each episode. And I mean, even coming back to what you were saying, listening to the, the podcast, reading all that work, I think that probably improves your quality as a podcaster as well. It's kind of like when you're a writer and you're reading a lot, um, you just you develop your own style, your own tone, right? Exactly. And I mean, the material you read really depends on the kind of podcast you're making. Yeah. If you're yeah. making a movie review podcast, you're going to be watching movies, which is quite fun. Yeah. And if you're... Like Song Exploder is a podcast I love and it breaks down songs in detail. So what the host is doing every week or every time he releases an episode is he's listening back to the song in great detail. He's interviewing the the creator, the musician, the songwriter, and then he's listening to the individual stems from the recording session, the drums yeah. and the bass. So yeah, the material that you consume really depends on the podcast that you're, you're trying to make. Cool. All right, and now kind of moving from the content side onto the next section, I think uh, you mentioned producing uh, the audio itself. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, so again, there's a couple of things that you'll have to do the first time you're setting up your whole project. You'll need to acquire hardware and acquire software. Get the hardware, man. Yeah, you got to get the hardware. Got to have the hardware. And this can be expensive and, you know, a bit of a headache. But once it's done, it's done. It's worth it. It's like the branding. You yeah. know, you do it for your project and then you're set up. So this is just kind of teething stress Probably at the start. tax deductible or something like that even. Depending what... what That's what. not official uh, advice <laughs> or anything. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a tax lawyer. <laughs> so for the hardware, you want to think about a microphone, headphones, and then a pop filter. They're the three things that you really need. Yeah. That's the three things that each of us are using right here. And I'm I'm not going to tell you exactly what I'm using because I don't want you to blindly follow my setup because it's not the best possible setup in the world. I invite you to do your own research because, I mean, there are a million of these guides on the internet to the, you know, the best 20 yeah. podcasting microphones and the best headphones. And you can find something in your own price range for the kind of setup you want, whether you're recording solo or with guests. So I encourage you to have a look online and see which ones would suit you best because I don't want to, you know, influence you and in just choosing the exact ones that I've been using. But I will, you know, in the cheat sheet, I will just mention the setup that I have here. You might right. want to use one or two of them. So that's the hardware. 
you've got your mic, you've got your headphones, you've got your pop filter. The pop filter, by the way, is just a small round piece of mesh. It's like tights that, you know, blocks the front of your microphone and stops all the plosive peas from breaking into your recording. In fact, we're improvising here today uh, on my guest setup. Uh, we've got a pretty cool contraption. Maybe um, that'll be on the cheat sheet as well. We can have a picture of that. Yeah, we uh, we were one pop filter short at the last second, so we had to improvise with uh, a mask, a surgical face mask, yeah, and a clothes hanger, which very, is very twenty twenty one. It looks like an art installation. Actually, we could auction this off for a good cause afterwards. Hopefully, Philip doesn't have too many plosive peas. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding myself back here, guys. Okay, so you have your microphone, headphones, and pop filter. That's your hardware. Now you need software. You got to get your audio into the computer. So you have to choose a DAW, which is a digital audio workspace. Okay. And again, there are loads of options. It depends on the you know the the model of computer you're using. You know, so I'm actually using a Mac, so I'm using Logic, but I don't believe that Logic is compatible with Windows, or no Logic and Windows. <laughs> it's all logical. So again, it depends on the operating system and the you know the laptop that you or the computer that you're using. Yeah. So I encourage you to to research the one that suits you best. I started out using Ableton. I kind of just fell into it because I'd been making music for years. I learned to use Ableton for recording. It's usually it's actually mainly used for live recording performances. Yeah, it's what, used by DJs. What's what's the learning curve on that? Uh, can you just learn these programs that quickly, or did how was it for you? I mean, I think you can learn the. You can learn the simple stuff quite quickly. Yeah. If you've never opened recording, never opened recording software before, I wouldn't be too disheartened. You can definitely, it's quite easy to plug in your you know, USB microphones, easiest to use, plug in your microphone, record something on a single audio track, and then you can start, you know, learning how to edit going in and yeah. maybe you're just pulling out some... Getting all technical with it. Yeah, like pulling out some misspeaks. YouTube is great as well for looking at the kind of plugins that you use. This is something that I learned completely on the job. I'd recorded music, but I'd never recorded a spoken voice until I started this podcast. So I learned everything from YouTube and Googling, basically. There are a couple of really easy plugins that you can use. There are four that I'll mention just because I think they're very essential and you can look into what they do in more detail. But it's a, a compressor, a gate, an EQ and a limiter. And the four of those I put on every audio track that goes out and uh, it cleans up the audio a lot. So, so I started with Ableton because I'd been making music and it was a laziness thing, I suppose, because I knew how to use it. It was on my computer. So I used it for the first season of my podcast. Mm-hmm. And then when I got a new laptop, I switched over to Logic. It's actually much cheaper to buy out of the box. It's only 200 euro. I definitely noticed the difference. And yeah, the, the sound quality of the second season is definitely much better. So... Again, do your research. Find one, obviously, within the price range that you're looking for that goes well with your operating system. And if you're looking for the cheapest, I think Audacity should get a mention here. Yeah. Audacity is just, you can get it for free. So Shout out to Audacity. If you, if you want to do it for as little money as possible, again, it depends what kind of finished product you're going for. If you want to sound like Sam Harris's podcast, you're going to have to spend, you know, a couple of hundred euro on your microphone, a couple of hundred euro on your editing software. But if you want to make a fun, easy thing in the basement with your friend where you just talk about the latest music or movies, then you can just, you know, start with Audacity, start with a cheap mic. And oh, it's work your way up, go. right? Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you can start out easy. Okay, so I covered kind of the hardware and the software. That's the once per project 
purchases once you set up your setup and it's great it's a relief I mean when I first started I was it was lots of uncertainties I didn't know what mic I'd be using how I'd be recording and how I'd be editing but once I had everything set up it's just sitting in, in my in my bedroom at home yeah. so it's ready to go whenever I want to record an episode right so that's the once off purchases and now you're you're entering the episode cycle so just like the content creation cycle where you're you know every episode you're consuming material you're scheduling interviews you're making notes here with the audio creation cycle every episode you're sitting down with your microphone in a quiet space to record your episode and the behind the scenes tips here is that it can be very homemade my own setup i mean we're in my bedroom here we're in a pillow fort in a pillow fort <laughs> full disclosure <laughs> I mean, it's actually, it's very important to have as quiet an environment as possible for recording. So I just gather every pillow and couch cushion and duvet from the house, from me and my housemate and the sitting room, pile it all into the bedroom. You want to, yeah, have as many soft furnishings as possible to dampen the sound. Uh, And again, you want to make sure that there's no background noise. So no neighbours drilling tiles or angle grinding tiles in the afternoon. It's terrible. But smaller things you'd never think about, like the fridge door is very loud in my apartment. The fridge makes a very bad humming. So I would never record an episode in the kitchen. I'd always be in the bedroom. And the toilet, even the toilet flushing is very loud. So uh, it takes a bit of liaising with my house housemates as well to ask them not to slam doors, open the fridge, flush the toilet for the length of a recording session. So You'll have to work with the people in your life and foster a quiet environment, keep them happy somehow uh, to make sure that you have a, a nice quiet environment with no sounds breaking into your recording. So if your neighbor's just got a baby, you should probably wait a couple of months uh, for you to start your uh, podcasting. Journey. I mean, you'd be you'd be unlucky and you would you'd be angry. Uh, there's one podcaster, Potterless is a very a fun podcast. A guy listens to a guy reads Harry Potter for the first time in right. his 20s and talks about his reactions but he lives in New York and he always talks oh about the traffic yeah. noises. Yeah, right. I mean, I live in Utrecht, which is very quiet. It's lovely. So I really, there's there's never any traffic or like people shouting on the street. But in New York, you can imagine the neighbours and the street. Yeah. So, yeah, you, unfortunately, this is a practical undertaking. It's not going to be perfect. You're going to have to work around with the environment that you're in. And yeah, hope that your neighbor's baby doesn't start crying in the middle of your recording session. Yeah, but it's good that you you point these things out because I think if I just started my own podcast, I wouldn't even think about those things ahead mm-hmm. of time. So I think uh, mentioning those things now is actually a really good point because I think uh, having that in consideration really makes it easier and and uh, um, a, a smoother start. Mm-hmm. I think people underestimate how quiet it needs to be. It's not just a peaceful kitchen on a sunny afternoon it's like really really quiet with pillows in every corner of the room or even better if you can be in a studio or be in a space with felt stuck to the walls even better uh, but it's it's a whole new level of quiet and the best way to test it is just sit down plug in your mic put on your headphones your microphone will hear way more than your ears will hear naturally so you can test your environment just by by listening back through your headphones Maybe you should name your book A Whole New Level of Quiet. I like that. That's a whole a, new level of quiet. Yeah. It could be like a meditation guide. Just a, just a guide of how to make your room so quiet that you can uh, <laughs> record your podcast. <laughs> Buy more pillows. Exactly. <laughs> and then the very last stage is editing. So I've talked about sitting down every time to record, but then you're going to have, so you're going to have your content ready. 
you're going to have your recorded audio ready. So now you have a full audio file of your interview or your solo performance or whatever your content is, whatever your, whatever your recording is. And then the last step is to, well, the last step in the audio process is to sit down and edit that audio. And this is, again, up to you. You can I, I spend about eight hours editing per one hour of recording, Whoa. which is, I mean, it's quite a ratio. I, You're again, perfectionist as well. I, I think I approach these things wanting to have the most perfect sound that I can achieve. Uh, but it's, it's, a personal, it's a personal choice. It's also a black box thing, which is quite funny. You don't know from listening to another podcast how much editing time goes into them. Yeah. So I said with Sam Harris's podcast, yeah. they could spend no time at all, but they probably do spend quite a lot of time. They could be choosing the best segments. They could be deleting whole sentences and paragraphs, deleting toilet breaks. You just don't really know. So yeah. it's actually strange that you don't have an insight into other people's editing techniques really at all. It's a black box kind of thing. So anyway, my own personal ratio tends to be about eight hours of editing to one hour of, uh, of recording. You can, you can do it way more slapdash. You can leave in all the funny random interjections and the coughs and it's just going to be a more natural, you know, freeform sound. These are all just, you know, these are all producing decisions that you will make at the end of the day if you're, if you're making a podcast. Very cool. And so what, what about uh, kind of online options? So is there anything that you, you would recommend there or uh, you've, we've worked with yourself? Yeah, so the funny thing is I've actually recorded 90% of my interviews online. Okay. Hopefully you wouldn't notice it listening to the podcast. I think with the pandemic we've just been experiencing, are experiencing, yeah. a lot of it has been online. And I was amazed at how seamless it can be. You don't need to be in a room with somebody. I recorded one other interview, apart from today, in a room with somebody, and that was Sam Hafkenscheid, episode number 11. And I think the audio is actually less good in that recording. The online options can be very nice, very high quality, and I can you can build rapport quite quickly online in a video call, which I was pleasantly surprised at. It's funny that you mentioned that because it's something I'd never thought about before, that for those interviews, you weren't in the same room, that that was online. So now I'm thinking about it like, oh, well, wait a second. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Some, some people were, like half my guests were actually in America. I mean, Lauren Ross was in California. I think it was a nine hour time difference, yeah. which is quite hard to schedule. Yeah. So I think in the end, we settled on 9 a.m. in California and 6 p.m. in Utrecht. So I had an early dinner and sat down to record. She'd just gotten up and had a coffee and was starting her day. And it's amazing when the software works, when the audio quality is good, it sounds like they're sitting right beside you. And yet they're halfway across the world, nine hours behind. It's, it's incredible. So really, yeah, the online options can be can be great. Cool. So I'll, I'll recommend a couple of, of uh, softwares that you might use. Again, there are loads. So you can do your own research depending on your, you know, your price range. I've used these three at various times. So Zencaster is free. So that's Zencaster, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. And it's totally free, but there are some downsides. There's no video. So I recorded this interview, the interview with Elan Goodman. So that was episode number nine. I was very new to this podcasting thing at the time. So I didn't really know what medium I should be using for an online interview. He was in the UK. I was in the Netherlands here and there was no video. And I was actually very surprised at how well it went seeing that we never even looked at each other yeah. during the conversation. It was just a phone call, actually. Yeah. So Zencaster is free, but there's no video and there is some reliability issues. You know, there's reports of it crashing the odd time, which 
obviously is your worst nightmare. So if you do want to splash out a little bit on something that you pay for, Squadcast is $20 a month and much more reliable. You have video. Um, so if you're happy to pay something. And another paid option is Riverside. So I use Riverside actually for the majority of my recent interviews, the last five or six I've done through Riverside. It's only $15 a month and it has video. It's very reliable. It uploads to the cloud, I think, every minute. So your recording sessions always saved remotely in case anyone's individual computer crashes. So yeah, again, there are loads of options, but Riverside is quite affordable and offers some, some nice features. I'm, I'm getting no money for this, by the way. So there are no sponsorships here, no ads. And I, I don't want to influence anybody into choosing the software that I have used because I don't have a monopoly on you know the, the correct knowledge for, for making podcasts. But these are... These are the ones that I've used uh, with the pros and cons that I've come across. And I encourage you to do your own research and to find the one that works best for you. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. And then once once you've recorded everything, um, I guess you kind of have to get it out there, right? Last step. Is that distributing podcast audio? That's the last step. All right, give it to me. So uh, I hope, hope you followed everything, Philip, so far. We've talked about branding. We've talked about content. We've talked about making your audio, recording and editing. And now we're on to the fourth and final stage, which is distributing podcast audio. So if you've done all the, the previous three steps, you have a lovely sound file. You've got an MP3, which you've exported from your DAW, and it's the right length and all the sound levels are correct and the music's in the right places, but it's on your computer. Right, it's not out right. there in the world. So this fourth step is all about getting it out into the world. And what people don't realize at first, maybe, is that you can't just upload it directly onto Spotify or to any of these uh, podcasting directories, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. They all actually operate through third party distributors. Mm -hmm. So there is an extra step that you need to go through. You need to sign up with a podcast hosting platform. So there are loads of options again, Podbean, Buzzsprout. These are all quite cheap. They're around $10 a month. And what they do is you send, you upload your audio through their interface. You upload all of the information, like the title of the episode, the description of the episode, and it's hosted through that third party, like Podbean, like Buzzsprout, any of these other platforms. And they send it individually to all of the directories. They put it on Apple, Google, Spotify, and so on. I I should mention SoundCloud. I think SoundCloud and YouTube would be ones where you can upload personally as just a kind of as a user yourself. But if you do pay for one of the better uh, podcast hosting services, they will put it on everything for right. you, including YouTube. Yeah. So that's also a, an easier option, I think. And so if you have that on YouTube as a podcast, do you, would you include a video stream of that as well? Or is that just the audio then? I think it's just a choice you make. You, right. you can have an audio version with just the artwork as, yeah. the, as the image. That's cool. But uh, lots of podcasters now are... They're, yeah, have a lot of video equipment. They're kind of, yeah. they're like, uh, yeah, creatives in so many different fields that they they make videos uh, of their podcasts. Next level. Yeah. And I'm also wondering, uh, now that you're mentioning these platforms, uh, if you have your um, podcast on Spotify, if you have it on, on Apple Music or, or wherever, um, do you get money? In, is there an income stream through that? Or how does that work usually? Yeah, it's a good question. So it really... It depends, of course, how big your podcast is, how many listeners you have, and it depends what model you want to go for. So when you start out, you're probably not going to make any money. You're going to have to spend money because you're going to have to pay the 
$10 a month for the, you know, the, the podcast hosting service. And then, you know, you can think about monetizing after a while. So there's the advertising model where you find advertisers who are willing to, you know, place ads in your podcast. So they will pay you. Your listeners won't pay anything and right. the advertisers will pay you to place ads. And again, you can sign up with third parties who find advertisers on your behalf. There's also the kind of the patron model. So Patreon or Patreon, depending how you pronounce yeah. it, has become quite popular with creators these days where you can, you know, you kind of make an appeal directly to your listeners to pay a certain like $5 a month, yeah, yeah. price of a cup of coffee a month. And then you <laughs> offer them bonus content, extra episodes, AMAs, merch, uh, or maybe you have a paywall. So only, you know, the free episode is 30 minutes, but, right. you know, your, your subscribers get the full length episode. Uh, so yeah, if you want to make money, there's the advertising model where your listeners don't pay anything, but advertisers pay you. Or there's the kind of the direct patron model where you do get money directly from your, well, your listeners, your right. subscribers to your podcast. And I think it's interesting. There's a, Sam Harris talks about these, these two models. And it's interesting to think about the incentives that they, that each of them brings. Something like Netflix. I mean, that's a, that's a direct subscriber model. So you pay your subscription. It's not that high, really. And then there are no ads and the system is not really trying to game your attention in any way. Whereas with the advertising model like YouTube or Facebook, you don't pay anything. So you're forced to watch ads and the algorithm is actually gaming your attention the yeah. whole time to look at certain stuff that it wants you to look at. So again, when you're a creator of a podcast or just a listener of a podcast, think about the model that you're engaging with. Are you, do you want to game your listeners to listen to a mattress ad or do you want to charge them a small fee for a much higher quality product, you know, without any attention or without any, you know, interruptions or something in, yeah. in the product? Yeah. Question here again, because I, I listen to a lot of um, podcasts on, on Google podcasts, I think, and I, I never hear any ads there. So is that a... Is that just like a settings thing or that just those podcasts don't have ads in them, I guess, right? Yeah. I think, yeah, it depends on the podcast. Yeah. So smaller ones. Yours never has ads, I think. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone the advertising model. I haven't, I haven't got a strong philosophical view about right. the models, but I'm sympathetic to the idea that the advertising model has downsides. Yeah. So especially as a, you know, a smaller podcaster, I don't feel comfortable your forcing, average size, I would, I would say. Yeah, uh, medium-sized podcast. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I don't feel comfortable forcing my listeners to sit through advertisers, especially ones that I haven't vetted or ones that I don't, yeah. you know, support their products. So that that's kind of a, a philosophical question that you have to ask yourself. So anyway, yeah, if you hear podcasts with no ads, maybe there's, there are no ads in the podcasts. Maybe they've decided not to run ads. Maybe they're small and they can't get advertisers. Or, you know, I think also the the territory matters. So I listen to lots of American mm -hmm. podcasts and often they'll say, we'll be back after these messages. And then it cuts directly back into the, yeah, the episode. Exactly. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking. As well. Okay. Yeah. So in that case, there is an advertiser somewhere. Maybe an, a, an American advertiser has paid for ads to be run in America. But if you download the, uh, the, download the podcast episode in Ireland or Germany, uh -huh. you're not going to get those ads. So I think I've actually dodged a lot of ad listening time yeah. by downloading my episodes in Europe where the, the advertisers haven't run anything. That's a fun fact right there. That, that's a fun fact. That's very fun. Behind the scenes. Okay, so I've talked a bit about the third-party distributors getting your, your episode out there. And then perhaps the final stage, you know, once your episode, you know, you 
have the audio recorded and edited, and then it finally is published on, let's say, Spotify, because that's a, a very big um, platform at the moment. Your episode is now on Spotify, but you have to tell people about it. So this is the final stage of distribution, which is social media promotion. So this happens kind of, things you have to do once in your project is setting up your social media accounts. Maybe you want to have a Gmail address with your podcast name in it. You want Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I mean, got to be creative here. I've I've never owned TikTok. I think I'm too old for that. But I'm what sure... You own a TikTok. Is that I've a, never... Sounds like a boomer thing to say. <laughs> yeah. I've never owned a TikTok. Showing my age. No, I've never had the app on my phone, right. I should say. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm out of that sphere, unfortunately. I rely on Instagram a lot because my I think my network uses Instagram the most. We're getting old, Jeff. But I mean, Twitter is huge. I, yeah, I kind of wish I was more in Twitter. I think Twitter's massive for academia. Academic mm. philosophers are big on Twitter. But surprisingly, I, actually, I always think. Yeah, because it's it's really not a medium that encourages deep reflection or anything. It's 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 kind of much more immediate um, reactions to stuff. But I've 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 never really understood Twitter or like had enough of a yeah kind of a a following to to kind of promote myself on right. Twitter. But I think find the social media account that works for you. Think about your audience, your network. Where, where are they going to be looking at your content? I think TikTok, there's a lot of arguments for TikTok right now. I think it's huge, but it could it could be a fad. It could pass in time. But uh, yeah, you got to kind of hop on the bandwagon. And if you want to spend money, if you want to get a social media manager who knows this stuff, that'd be smart money to spend. Maybe it's money you don't have to spend. Depends again, you know, how professional you're going to go with, with your podcast project. It also really just depends on uh, what kind of audience you're trying to reach, right? Mm. I guess if you're going to go via TikTok or, or, or Twitter or or what the intent of your project is, right? I guess people are going to go different directions there. Mm-hmm, exactly. Cool. And the last thing I'll say about distribution is I think being organized is good. I have a spreadsheet for my distribution schedule. <laughs> it's such a Jeff thing to say. <laughs> like everything else in my life, probably. But I think it helps. Uh, I think it's it's almost a branding thing. Your listeners are going to want something reliable and systematic in a way. So if you're going to have a weekly episode or a episode every two weeks, of course, your your podcast mightn't want structure. You might be, you know, you might be renouncing all structure and having random content at random intervals. Maybe that's what you want in your podcast. That's fine. But I think listeners like having a predictable release schedule. So if you spreadsheet when you're going to release an episode, then you can also add a bit of social media planning, you know, are you going to post on the day? Are you going to post a few days later with a quote or a reminder for listeners to check out the episode? I do have a spreadsheet with all the episode release dates and the dates of my planned social media posts to make sure that I'm kind of just being consistent with the with the release schedule. And to just add a philosophical touch here, I guess, mm-hmm. you could uh, compare this with, uh, I think, was it Baudieu who said... Um, the author doesn't write the text, the text writes the author. So when you're saying, when you're structuring the podcast, is the podcast really structuring you, you know? Ooh. How has your life changed because you're making this podcast, right? Like, uh, you could reflect on those types of questions as well, maybe at a later time. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's kind of this journalistic bias that the news is written by people who write news, yeah. aka journalists. So when you enter into this podcasting space, maybe you get sucked into the 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 podcasting cliches there are certain things that people do that are expected of of podcasters maybe you you become a podcaster yeah. become someone that you weren't before definitely probably become a, a aware of a lot of things in a different way like you were saying with the production methods all these things that we've been discussing really i think after the listener is going to have listened to this um 
you're going to start noticing it everywhere. I hope so, yeah. And I, it happens more and more. Like, you never stop learning. You never stop picking up on small things. So originally, you might just be listening to content. Yeah. You might just be walking along the canal, listening to a podcast about birds, and you're just hearing... Podcasts about birds. <laughs> <laughs> that was, it wasn't a real example. Right, okay. <laughs> no. But you might be just be hearing what the, what the host is saying about the birds. Whereas after you think about the process more, you'll be hearing the length of the segment, You'll be hearing when the music comes in, how loud the music is, if it's energetic, how many guests there are, how long the episode is. You'll be hearing all of these formatting and production decisions that have been made behind the scenes that go into the, the final podcast episode itself. Shout out to all those bird podcasts out there. <laughs> so there you go. Let's just, uh, maybe I'll recap all that I've said. Yeah, just so, I think it's great. And I think it'll, uh, hopefully it will make sense to you and to the listeners because I want, Philip is going to leave today knowing how to make a podcast oh, hell as yeah. much as all of you listening, hopefully. Uh, so I talked about branding. I talked about the name, the format, the artwork, the music. So that's the first step is branding. And the second step is content. So you're entering this content creation cycle with every episode where you're scheduling recordings, you're consuming prep material, you're maybe writing some notes, you're writing the bio and the description for the episode. And then you enter the third stage, the third step, the audio. You have to record the audio using a microphone. You have to edit the audio using software. Finally, when you have the finished, recorded, edited product, you have to distribute it. And that's the fourth step. Distribution and promotion and social media. And that's it, really. I mean, that's how to make a podcast from start to finish. If maybe some of the steps will scare you, but you can work through it very sequentially. You can Google and use YouTube for any of the steps that scare you or that challenge you. And if you follow the steps from start to finish, you're going to have a podcast. If you have a brand and you prep your content, you record something and then you put it out into the world and tell people about it. That's a podcast. Beautifully said. I think it's, it's, a, it's a lot like a cookbook, right? You're, you've got this nice recipe now. Now you're just going to cook something beautiful. And uh, you know, it might not be what you intended initially, but it's probably going to be something cool, right? You got to see what, what flows out of yeah. this, uh, this empty awareness. Yeah, beautiful. If you liked my, my Richard Lang interview, yeah, I got that he talks a lot about the creative process. You're, you're witnessing at every moment, you know, things flowing out of the nothingness. So you got to just start and then see what flows out of the, of your creative space that's you nice that was that's cosmic the, jeff right there that's the mystical uh <laughs> the mystical plug from richard lang great and just closing up um would you have any general advice for your listeners yeah so i kind of have just two pieces of advice one is about content mm -hmm. and one is about skills so content wise this is a thing that my english teacher used to say when i was in high school Talk about what you know about and care about. So obviously it's meant to sound like a mouthful on purpose. I think that's mm -hmm. part of the gag. Talk about what you know about and care about. So if you're unsure about what the content of your podcast should be, it should be something that, that you're competent to discuss and that you care about. You should be excited by the topics. And I think that's true of writing a high school English essay or it's true of making a movie, making a podcast, making anything as a, as a human being what you know about and care about. As a creative, as an artist. As a, or as a, an accountant. Yeah, as or as an, I mean, that's, you know. If you're making legal documents, art. you got to be competent and you yeah. got to 
care in some way. That's true. And then the second piece of advice about skills, because you might be scared about some of these steps in the process that I mentioned, but I'll say play to your strengths and acknowledge the skills you have already. I mentioned a lot of different steps with branding and recording and distributing. Maybe some of them are completely scary and new and challenging, but there are some that you'll know how to do already. So I'm sure at some point in your life, you have done one of those things, whether it's writing notes for an essay or whether it's recording a short piece of music on your computer or whether it's using social media. If you if you have an Instagram account, you know Instagram already works. That's going to help you a lot with the distribution and promotion phase. So I think acknowledge your strengths, acknowledge the skills you already have, and that will help you. It'll make the process less scary. And then you can dive deeper into the and research the things that you don't know how to do as well yet. Yeah, and for those listeners who are kind of still skeptical, can't imagine you know, these steps, I think it'll be interesting what we get to uh, later on now uh, with your personal kind of anecdotes and the steps that you took to get where you are as well. So I think that'll be helpful for those people as well. We got a couple of different questions that I think would be interesting to address. I mean, one of the first things that I would be wondering about is kind of what did you learn throughout this whole process? What um, Was there anything that was very different than, than what you expected when you started out? Well, I suppose I've had two quite different seasons. So the first season was more of a, a polished audio book, which I wrote, edited, and then read. And the second season was interviews with some of my favorite philosophers and thinkers, public intellectuals, entrepreneurs. So I think I'll address the second season because that's the one that I've yeah. just done. That was my... 2021 experience, the last 10 episodes I released. And the thing that I learned was just, it was kind of content-based. I mean, I learned so much about different new ideas and yeah. I found no, so many different ways to view existing problems, mostly in philosophy. I mean, the people I interviewed, it wasn't, I wasn't picking them at random or arbitrarily. Yeah. I really entered most interviews with this genuine burning question that I wanted an answer to. So I contacted my esteemed guests, you know, I just, I might have mentioned a bit about the question that I wanted to ask them. I built up to it. So one example would be Janan Ismail in yeah. episode number 14, I believe. I had this question that was quite abstract about, I'm sorry if you haven't studied philosophy, you'll understand the question better if you listen to my conversation with Janan Ismail. But I had this question about how humans are actually wrapped up with being involved in the world. So a lot of, a lot of observation in science makes the assumption that humans are separate from what's happening in the world, that the observer in science can just look in a detached way at the world and take a measurement without influencing the measurement itself. But the puzzle that I was confronting is that we're actually wrapped up with the process, that, you know, when we take a measurement, we're part of this causal process, we're affecting the outcome of the experiment. There's a thing called negative feedback or negative interference, and that affects the outcome of the measurement, especially in the quantum regime and quantum mechanics. So anyway, mm-hmm. I had this a genuine burning question that I, Janan Ismail is incredibly uh, well qualified to answer this question. I was joking in the episode that she was like my metaphysical agony aunt. I came wanting an answer and I got a very satisfying answer. Incredible. I won't try and paraphrase her because I couldn't do it justice. <laughs> but I often, I went to these conversations with these burning questions and, and quite selfishly, I wanted answers but I also thought that they'd be very valuable things to share publicly with listeners. I hoped if they interested me that they interest, you know, the wider public. Uh, with Sean Carroll as another great example. He's, you know, he's a very famous 
theoretical physicist, yeah. communicator of science. I kind of went to him with these almost life advice questions. It was like a, an asking for a friend format. But I really wanted to know about these things like communicating science, you know, the authority of experts, especially during the coronavirus crisis yeah. and how to make a career in academia, how he succeeded and, you know, what his ambitions were and are for his own career. So I asked them these questions that I really wanted to know the answers to and that I hope that the listeners also liked hearing the answers to. So I think I just learned a lot about yeah, a lot about like a it. lot of different ideas over the course of my time. Kind of goes back to that what I was saying about did you make the podcast or the podcast make you like it sounded like you learned so much just kind of through this whole process as well. And yeah, that actually that did surprise me. It's not like I didn't start the podcast to be educated. That's yeah. actually I know that for certain. I started it for I don't know a, a mixture of reasons, yeah. wanting to contribute to the podcasting space that I've loved and benefited from so much, and wanting to. You know, talk to these people maybe more one-on-one. -on -one. But I didn't expect to be educated as much as I was, basically. Yeah. So I think I was surprised at how much I learned personally. And I think, yeah, as you say, it depends on the topic that you that you choose. I think you end up learning. It's impossible to not learn about the topic that you're you're confronting. And I think if you're if you're at a point in your I don't know your personal life or your intellectual life where you feel like you're not being challenged and you want to you want more immersion in a certain yeah. topic, there's nothing better than starting a podcast yeah. and interviewing people. If you feel like you're stagnating and you're not yeah. coming across enough films or philosophers that excite you, invite them for an interview and then you have to revisit the ideas, you uncover new works and new material and then you have to confront everything. You have to write questions and, you know, it's terrifying when you have six hours left until you have to see this person <laughs> on a call. Imagine. But a world famous physicist. Exactly, but it's very exciting, and there's yeah. no better motivation for, yeah, getting you off your ass and getting you just like immersed in a whole host of new ideas, or or films or music or comedy or whatever your content is about. So uh, yeah, I think it's impossible not to learn loads, and by the end of everything, I felt like I had enough material to write a book, basically, and so I realized by the end of this year that I would just write a book. So Ooh. I'm almost finished the book. Okay. Uh, luckily, happily. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, hopefully it'll be out in the near future. There's no timeline for publication yet right. because I'm about 90% finished the first draft, the manuscript. And after that, there'll be lots of, you know, revisions and editing. Can confirm. Uh, I've been uh, his accountability manager <laughs> and uh, he's been he's been keeping his progress. Yeah, I went for an embarrassingly tech bro approach of having an accountability buddy an account of an yeah, yeah, accountability, accountability buddy. buddy I think there's an even shorter phrase mm. account buddy uh, <laughs> count your buddies <laughs> of uh, yeah Philip holding me accountable to hitting my, my weekly writing goals at a target of a thousand words a day which is it was quite a nice steady pace to, to keep writing at but uh, the motivation for my book really is I obviously I like popularizing philosophy that was the, the purpose of my podcast and I've read loads of like wonderful introductions to philosophy from loads of you know, Thomas Nagel, Simon Blackburn. They all have these great introductions to philosophy. If you're brand new to the topic, you know, here's how to think about philosophy. But they all seem to talk about content. So they jumped straight into God, language, knowledge, all the, you know, here's what philosophers talk about. But what I thought was really needed is here's how philosophers talk and argue. So I wanted to talk about the method and the process of philosophers themselves. 
So I actually summarized, in the end, I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't read the book no yet. Spoilers. <laughs> but I, I kind of, I summed up the philosopher's method in terms of five tools. And once you understand these five tools, then you can apply them to any problem. You know, it doesn't matter what the content is. And I'm trying to find examples from business and everyday life that also, you know, you can, you can tackle with these five tools. It's not just abstract philosophy. I know the working title in my book is something like how to evaluate problems like a philosopher. So thinking like a philosopher in all situations in life. So I think that we often ignore process. In school, we don't really have that many how to write an essay class. We just have a class about Shakespeare. And then you just have to figure out how to write an essay afterwards. Yeah. So I really always want to bring the conversation back to process. And I think my book is one, I hope, that you should read before the other introductions because it's like an introduction to the introductions. Mm -hmm. This is how philosophers approach and think about problems before you even think about any of the content. This is like a a way of thinking about problems like a philosopher. Meta-introduction. Yeah. So that's the the purpose. And it's almost finished. And uh, I'm excited to get it out there. And when do we expect this? I mean, hopefully in 2022, but... uh, who knows, really? Stay tuned, folks. It's coming. coming. <laughs> Christmas gift, 2022. <laughs> um, also, kind of going back to what you were just saying about uh, your your interviewers uh, or your interviewees, I guess. Some of those people are pretty famous, right? And uh, how did you get the courage to kind of to contact these people? Or how did you go about it? I guess part of it is probably what you're saying, just kind of preparing, getting that knowledge helps you with that. But what was your personal method for that, maybe? Yeah, so at the start, I... I was quite pessimistic about who would reply to me. So I had a very brave week one time when I was very early on in the podcasting dream. And I sent four emails thinking I would get zero out of four replies from these really exciting famous guests. And three out of four replied to me within 24 hours. So like I was, I mean, I sent the emails, I went for a walk and my phone was just like vibrating with the replies and I couldn't believe that they'd replied to me. So the first thing I learned quite quickly is people are very receptive especially in the podcasting space, it's all about conversation. And especially if you if you really admire somebody and you really do genuinely read their work or watch their work or consume their content, and then you say to them, I would love to discuss your content in greater detail, and you have very thoughtful and reflective questions about yeah. their work, yeah. they're going to be quite receptive to, you know, having a conversation about that. So, yeah, I was, I was actually, I was pleasantly surprised about how open and receptive even very famous people are to being yeah. interviewed. And I think I just got more, more, yeah, momentum after that. I felt less, um, less shy about emailing yeah. people. And I, mean, I prepare quite long yeah, pitched I emails. I would do my background research. I would have this burning question or a set of burning questions. And I talk about, you know, a bit about who I was. It's hard at the start when you have no platform and yeah. no, nothing set up. So starting is tough, definitely. But once you have a podcast and you have a couple of episodes, you have a bit of a platform. Yeah. You can send this information to a potential guest. You can say why the motivation for reaching out to them, some of the topics you'd like to cover. And you can be quite surprised with uh, who agrees to, to have a conversation. So it sounds like it's really, it's really about that connection, about that uh, authentic interest and kind of conveying that. And then the rest kind of just goes, right? Yeah. And I also loved how quickly I built rapport with these people. Yeah. I mean, it's quite funny that when you're, Often you email back and forth. So I reach out by email and they reply. We have maybe a longer free form email exchange to find a roadmap of topics. 
and they're still kind of strangers. Maybe you know their face or their voice from some kind of online content. And then comes the day of the interview, if this is the interview model, of course, that you're, you're pursuing. And then I was shocked at how quickly you just build a rapport with these people. You, you start off with quite a lot to discuss. Yeah. You have a roadmap topics. They know that you like your, their work and you've studied in detail. And then you, yeah, you build connections quite quickly. So I've, I've loved getting to know my guests. Uh, over the course of an interview, you kind of get to know somebody quite well. And yeah, building rapport yeah. with guests is, is very gratifying. It sounds in the interviews a lot of the time like you've known each other for, for a while already. So I think that's also uh, kudos mm -hmm. to you, kind of making that kind of, uh, the people have to also be uh, comfortable, I think, in, uh, in their inner space. Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned networking ages ago. Networking with podcasting is actually amazing, especially if you're in a very niche topic or section. So I've ended up in the kind of philosophy of science niche which is a very, very small corner of the internet, <laughs> a very small corner of philosophy well, hasn't in heard general. about it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's great for networking with people who have the same interests as you. And you, whether it's your guests or your audience or other creators that you, you kind of link up with, you can network very gratifyingly with people who share your, your, your passions. And uh, it's surprisingly easy to build rapport and to get to know somebody when you have such a niche interest in common. Yeah. And and thinking about those um, uh, encounters, do you have any any favorite moments, any surprises from those interviews? I think it's hard to think of specifics, but some of the answers were just so succinct and yeah. satisfying yeah. for me personally. So Janana Ismail jumps out in every way. I'll keep mentioning her. I think it's one of my favorite episodes. Her answers were just so beautiful. Yeah. And some of my friends who were non-philosophers who listened to the episode said the same thing. She's very eloquent as well. Very eloquent, yeah. So I think asking a question, one that you really care about the answer, and then having the answer come back in such a succinct and yeah, such a well-structured and thought-out way, it's very satisfying because it kind of it answers your question and hits the spot in such a nice way. So th that, that happened quite often, which was lovely. And then I think... With my most recent interview that I released with Richard Lang, mm -hmm. his guided meditations were very special, I think. Yeah, that was very, very cool. Very yeah. personal, at least. Yeah. So he's one of my favorite meditation teachers for the last couple of years. And again, I was very privileged to send him an email and he agreed to have a conversation. But he did some guided meditations live during the conversation. And it was kind of strange to see him performing them live in front of me. So we were on this video call and he kind of very smartly, didn't look into the camera at the time. It would have been way too intimate otherwise. So he would just look down slightly or into the distance slightly as he led this guided meditation. And I would follow along. There are some actions, hand actions you do with his experiments. So that was just really cool to be, yeah, to be behind the scenes of a live guided meditation being recorded for just for audience yeah. of one, really, even though it was going out to the wider audience eventually. And then maybe also looking at the other side, um, making a podcast like this isn't all easy peasy all the time, right? Um, so I'm wondering kind of about what was the hardest part and did you did you ever consider quitting or, or, or not continuing? And, and then in those scenarios, what kept you going? Mm -hmm, yeah, I think there are always good days and bad days. Mm -hmm. I think people, this is again, my obsession with process. I mean, this is an episode about the podcasting process because I don't think people talk about it enough. My book is about the philosophy process because I think people don't talk about that enough. And there's also just the the 
productivity process, the creative process, which people also don't talk about enough. So like everyone else, I have good days and bad days. The good days are incredible. I mean, it just flows. I love talking about the state of flow. I mean, you and I, Philip, have talked about this a lot yeah. over the years. So the good days are just so easy. Everything just, yeah. it just happens. You just sit down and everything flows out of you. Maybe you're consuming a paper or you're writing questions and it just comes, comes to you. And then there are the bad days where your brain just feels like sludge. And of course, everyone knows that, yeah. There's almost nothing that I do differently. It's, that, that's the mystery of the creative process in a way. Like I haven't, I've eaten the same things. I've slept the same amount. Everything ostensibly is similar. Yeah. And yet my brain is just sludge on those days. So I never really thought about quitting, but I definitely had days like these blip days where just no progress was really made. I mean, what I'll say about process is, and I think we talk about creative process, we can put in place this machinery, yeah. which means that it can keep grinding even when you're you know, having a blip day. I mean, there's literally architecture we can use. So in Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, right. he, he talks about this, this architect, uh, David Duan, who has the eudaimonia machine. He's, he's kind of built this conceptual space. It's like a tunnel with five rooms that go deeper into the tunnel. And you, you have to enter each room in sequence. And it basically, the, the work gets more and more deep and challenging in yeah. each of the, of the chambers as you go through. So you start off in the gallery and then you go into the salon where there's conversation, coffee, tables, chatting. You get some more inspiration. Then you go into the library. You do a bit of light reading. You develop your ideas that have kind of cropped up in conversation. Then you go into the fourth room, the office, where you do light work. You're kind of scheduling, planning. And then finally, you enter the fifth chamber at the back, which is deep work. And you enter for 90 minutes without your phone, without your emails. You're doing one task that you're kind of it's, you know, pre-designated. Uh, so anyway, that's, I mean, it's a, it's a conceptual thing that the architect David Duan talked about. But there are, there are ways we can foster creativity. We can put this machinery and architecture in place. So you know, when we have bad days, blip days, we just kind of keep churning. Like I, I have a spreadsheet when I was uh, writing my dissertation, I had this spreadsheet and on days when I wasn't really inspired, I didn't have to think too hard. I just went to the next row on the spreadsheet, looked at what I was scheduled to yeah. do and I just ground on with it. And you don't feel like it's flowing. It's kind of like pulling teeth, but you can kind of get through it. Um, so yeah, I think there are good days and bad days. Yeah. And I think it's important to put the machinery in place that you can grind ahead on your bad days. But we all have them and we should structure be... Structure again, right? Yeah, the structure yeah. and being systematic, I think, is, is always my approach. Key words right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we should we should start the conversation about the process. Yeah. Yeah, we should reflect on our, our machinery. You have lots of things to say about productivity. I mean, we've both been thinking about productivity for, for years now. Yeah, I mean, I also read the, the Cal Newport book. And uh, I think you just uh, implement all these ideas uh, much more stringently than I do. I, I wish I had the discipline. But uh, yeah, I think definitely very strong ideas. And it's very cool to, to see them, especially in your project here in, in the podcast, uh, to see how you actually apply those ideas. And um, also following up kind of on what you said, uh, always doing the next thing. Can we, can we be expecting a third season of uh, Extrapolator anytime soon? Or are you going to be focusing on other projects? Well, for now, it's the book, right. which is almost finished. Although I always have like a, a burning wish list of guests I want to interview next. And I have a burning wish list. So I think I'm taking a break for the next short while to write the book. But I foresee that there will be more interviews popping up on the channel. Definitely Excellent. in the future. Excellent. That's what I want to hear. Well, this has been uh, 
super inspiring. I feel like as a pedestrian uh, podcast listener, I've now learned enough skills to at some point maybe start my own podcast and then I'll have you on the show and you can oh, interview me. Nice. <laughs> um, but uh, just when we're wrapping up here, do you have any anything else you want your listeners to know? Any, any final words here? Nothing too concrete. Uh, I have some general general musings about how wonderful the podcast medium is, which I've kind of dropped at various intervals over the last couple of years. But it is just such a, a cool space. I mean, people say it's getting saturated now because there are so many really? podcasts and creators, but it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing. If anything, it's just more consumer choice for listeners, more niche topics, more offerings, more different networks of interested people who are interested in smaller and smaller things. So, yeah, I mean, if you have... Again, talk about what you know about and care about. If you have competence and interest in something, why not start a podcast? Or why not just get involved in an existing podcast? Because, you know, we can we can gain a lot from this this quite new space in terms of human history. I think it's pretty amazing. Beautifully said. And my last call to action again is the cheat sheet. If you would like to access this, do go to my blog, uh, jeffallenwriting.wordpress.com forward slash cheat sheet. And yeah, you'll have a, a very succinct overview of everything we talked about here today. Perfect. Well, thank you, Jeff. And uh, we'll leave it at that, huh? Yeah, I think, that, I think that's it. Extrapolator is produced and edited by me, Jeff Allen. There's no team behind the podcast. It's just me. And I really appreciate the ongoing support from listeners. It's been wonderful to see the listenership steadily growing and to connect with some of you on social media. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and please take 30 seconds to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really helps the podcast to grow. You can also follow me on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram at ExtrapolatorPod. The artwork for Extrapolator was created by Hugh Allen. The music was written and recorded by me and it's available on Spotify, Deezer, Apple Music and all major directories. Just search for Extrapolator, original podcast soundtrack. As always, thanks for listening, and until next time. I'm pretty convinced that there's no more air in this room now. Yeah, um, I'm used to recording solo with online guests. So uh, two guests in one bedroom, uh, home setup is uh, it's, it's quite cozy. Yeah, it feels like we had a whole slumber party with all these pillows <laughs> here. And... <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> what a lame thing to say there. <laughs> Short ASMR sipping break. Here. All right, I think I'm actually going to pass out if we don't get some fresh air. All right, okay, it's time to get some okay. oxygen back. All right, end of recording now. <laughs>